0: Hello, and welcome to Plot This is Lane. This is
1: Meg. And today, we're recording Heartbreaker by Sarah McLean. This was published in 2022 and is the second in the Hell's Bell series.
0: Full disclosure, we did receive a complimentary ARC for our review.
1: Yes, and also full disclosure, not only did we receive a complimentary ARC, digital ARC, I won a Goodreads giveaway, and so I got the physical uh, advanced review copy, like, back in May, so I read this, like, a long time ago, <laughs> because, I mean, when you get a copy of it, you don't sit on it, right? Should we, so we also read, I mean, we've read every single other Sarah McLean book, uh, there are only two that we have not reviewed for the podcast,
0: so we have reviewed this entire series, aka the one book that came before this, and we thought that book was promising as all get out. It was Sarah McLean does this pretty frequently. Her characters, each series builds off the, the previous. So this is all yeah. in the same universe. Yep. And so the protagonist of the previous book was a character from two series ago. And like it's all like it's all very intertwined. So this one is sort of the first book in my mind in this series that sort of introduces totally new characters.
1: I agree. Totally agree. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: It's interesting. I get why Sarah McLean does what she does, but I almost wish this had been the first book. Because Mm -hmm. for many reasons, um, this felt like the origin story of The Hells Bells.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And I I mean, that was what was tough for me about Bombshell was that it was Cecily's book and I had been waiting for Cecily's book for literally, like, five books. Right. So. two Since two series ago. So, right. I thought this book,
0: in a lot of ways, I'm not saying you can skip Bombshell, uh, especially because of the stuff between Imogen and The Inspector and, like, I do think there's some mutual context about The Hells Bells in that book, but
1: this felt like a
0: superhero origin story in a really cool way.
1: It did. I liked it. Alrighty, All right. so book we'll check it.
0: Attempting Thief. Raised among London's most notorious criminals, a twist of fate landed Adelaide Frampton in the bright ballrooms of Mayfair, where she masquerades as a quiet wallflower. So plain and unassuming that no one realizes she's the matchbreaker, using her superior skills as a thief to help unwilling brides avoid the altar. All while hiding her own scandalous past.
1: A powerful duke. Henry Carrington, Duke of Claiborne, has spent a lifetime living in perfection and has no time for the scandals that arise every time Adelaide ends another groom. His own reputation is impeccable, and the last thing he needs is a frustrating, fascinating woman discovering the truth of his past or the secrets he holds close.
0: A perfect match. When the two find themselves on a breakneck journey across Britain to stop a wedding, the Duke has no choice but to follow her across Britain on a trip filled with...
1: Bad weather. Bad luck. And a surprising lack of beds. Adelaide soon realizes that this perfect Duke kisses like a proper scoundrel and is turning out to be a thief in his own right. One and he won't who... stop until he's stolen her well-guarded heart. <laughs> that didn't work, but it was fun to try. We tried. We tried hard for you guys. Should we redo it? No, at last part. No, nope. <laughs> I enjoy
0: the awkward. It's totally funny. Please, no. <laughs> All right. So my only real comment about this jacket,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, it skips over a lot, but I'm actually fine with it. I think the
1: vibes are right. This book should not have been called Heartbreaker. It should have been called Matchbreaker. So, in fact, you have no issues with the book jacket. You have an issue with the title. Yes. She's not a heartbreaker. He's not a heartbreaker. No one here is a heartbreaker.
0: In the way you imagine. She's the matchbreaker. And I think that that would have been a much more intriguing title, especially given it's explained in the book jacket.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. No one's a heartbreaker. I mean, no one's a bombshell on the first one either, I guess. But. I mean, honestly, I think the only missed opportunity there is that Imogen's book isn't bombshell. Uh, bombs. For sure. <laughs> I, I'm interested to find out what her book... Oh, my God. We'll we have to talk about it later. It's in the comments. All right. So, as usual, we generated a random number between 1 and 50 and
0: then wrote our own summaries using that number as the word count. This week, that number was 8. Meg, take it away.
1: Road trip to only one bed town with some hurt comfort. I love that you were just like, you know what? Eight words, two tropes, done. Uh, three tropes, <laughs> road trip, only, only one bed, bed hurt comfort. Comfort. <laughs> You're correct. All right, um, so we, you can get it right. <laughs> Meg just squeezed three
0: tropes into her eight words and moved on with it. I love it. That was
1: it. That's life. <laughs> How about you, Lane? Harder to infiltrate. His box or her heart?
0: The box just sounds like, I don't know, weird. I was this close to writing his box or her box. (laughs) Instead being a little bit vulgar. But the reality is she's not that hard to get into bed. (laughs) No
1: judgment. Uh, No judgment. It was awesome. Yeah, it was. All right, tropes. Um, Every one bed. Like, everywhere they go, there's only one bed. I love the justification for it, though.
0: Yes. That Okay, this came up really recently, too, in the Winchesters series.
1: Mm -hmm. But they only
0: have one hotel that they have a room on permanent retainer. Yes. I love the idea of this, like, every inn in London has one room on permanent retainer that they will not give to anyone.
1: Well, just not in London. Like, this was, like, along the Great North Road or something.
0: Right. So, like, I, I just loved that concept that... Especially if you seem to be a foe of the people with the room on Permanent Retainer, you can't get a room for love or money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: It was really I mean, good. it's totally implausible, but um, I liked it, though. <laughs>
0: I think... I'll get into the implausibility when we get into the quality. Okay. Let's knock out some tropes. All right. Uh, I think the biggest one Meg didn't mention in her summary is class difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm they try to make it seem like an enemies to lovers but they really don't
1: have he never disliked her right there it's less enemies to lovers and more opponents to lovers and we've talked about this a couple times where like there's no personal animosity but you're opponents in a game or a contest or something
0: yeah but she is the illegit well, I'm sorry she's the legitimate daughter of a mafia leader basically yep.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and he's a duke. So clearly, us, like she's living of also under assumed identity. Mm-hmm. So um, in order to, when she fled her father's gang, she changed her last name, not her first name. And yes. claims now to be a distant, poorly off cousin of a duchess. Yeah, And that gives her the power to infiltrate the ton. Like she's, no one knows other than her tells Belle's compatriots that she's really from the docks.
1: hmm Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, yes, Hurt Comfort. I mean, there's, like, an entire, several chapters of her nursing him back to health.
0: Yeah, it's Hurt Comfort that also merges with near-death experience that provides clarity. Yes. Um, he is intent on his little brother being the heir and never getting married or having children of his own.
1: Oh yes, he's not he's going to let someone else inherit. And there's a there's a serious list of reasons
0: that this trope can be in effect. Yes. I don't think it's a spoiler just to say that his reason no. is very much a spoiler, but I'll leave it. There
1: are that. so many reasons. This is not even the first Sarah McLean where this this trope has right. appeared. You know, like yes. <laughs> I'll just say that. I was thinking like, at least two other books besides this one. (laughs) Yep. And all different reasons. Yep. So. Uh, Yes, it is also a road trip romance. Kind of. So they are, like, they're originally quote-unquote racing.
0: They both want to catch his brother and his brother's known, like, if not official fiancé than paramour like mm-hmm. they're, they're formally courting in town, mm-hmm. and it's known that he wants to marry her mm-hmm. um so this brother and his affianced i'm just gonna say that because it's easier are running to gretna green to illo and they're both trying to track them down for different reasons mm-hmm. um she's kind of disinterested in whether they get married or not like that's mm-hmm. not her stakes but she wants to make sure that they're under her supervision mm-hmm. and he wants very much to ensure they get married
1: mm-hmm.
0: and is mm-hmm. he's under the impression she wants to prevent that though he is quickly
1: corrected on that front mm-hmm. uh, daddy issues mostly, <laughs> mostly on her part he's got a lot of dead dad guilt. Yes, dead dad guilt.
0: (laughs) That's the new trope. (laughs) It's not quite a daddy issue in the sense of like, I feel like daddy issue implies shitty dad. Yes, exactly. He's got, but I like to say in real life, there are two kinds of daddy issues. There's shitty dad and there's great dad. Mm -hmm. There's like, my father was a piece of shit. And then there's an, I will never live up to my father's model expectations or like dreams for me. Right. So she's the former and he's the latter. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Uh,
1: So in the first book, uh, Adelaide was, and it's referenced in this book jacket, she's a a wallflower. She just goes unnoticed at all the parties, even though she is beautiful, tall, and has red hair. She She covers the hair all the
0: time. He did not know she had red hair, even though he's known her for years.
1: But even in the first book, he noticed her.
0: Yes. And through this book, he, like, makes it very clear that he's not just saying he's been watching for years. He actually has been.
1: hmm And, like, on and the one so hand, it could be super creepy. But when it's yes. a romance hero, it's, like, not.
0: Correct. Like, <laughs> it's problematic as fuck. Oh, yeah. Are we just ignoring that for the fun? Also, yes. Also, yes. Uh, So, as we mentioned, they're, like, racing across London, they're road tripping, um, but even when they start, like, revealing truths to each other, they're basically playing, like, truth or dare with one another. Like, everything they do becomes, like, sort of a game tit-for-tat. Yes. And... Yes, The Hating Green is the most prominent example of this in my mind, but there are a lot of romance novels that sort of lean into this. How do I get you to open up to me? I know we'll make it a game so you feel more comfortable. Oh, and absolutely. I almost universally love it, and I don't know what's wrong with me because it is so tropey and such a contrivance, and I don't care. It's like it's the funny. most adorable thing when it's like, okay, I can only like open up and feel comfortable if I'm competing and don't have to think about how vulnerable I am. Right. Oh,
1: my God. <laughs> And then I mean we already talked about the hair but when he sees her hair for the first time oh my god you are red hair And then this is one of the most egregious examples
0: of oh my god pants
1: Mhm
0: and I love how it's executed so this is a spoiler for chapter like 2 Sorry guys she gets her clothes custom made so her skirts are all detachable with pants underneath Mhm and so it's less like, oh, my God, a woman in pants and more I'm holding on to this woman's skirts to try to catch her. And then her skirts just come off in my hand and she's running away in pants. I
1: mean, it uh, it's a legit, oh, my God, m- pants moment. Like, exactly. I would have been like, oh, my God.
0: Pants. And then it's great foreshadowing for a future scene where he expects it to be skirt removed. Oh, my God, pants. And mm. it's not.
1: <laughs> right. Alright, should we get into the to the book? Yeah. Alright. Um, I really enjoyed this book a lot. I had such a fun time reading it. Like, it, it's very, very fun.
0: I really like this niche that Sarah McLean has carved out for herself as, like, mm-hmm. cut-and-dry historical romance, but her twist is, like, action-adventure. Right. And I think she sort of can get away with a lot of Oh God, that would never happen in the name of this like adventure novel type story.
1: So this is this is when you were talking about like I was like, well, it's very implausible that they would not only have a room on retainer, but have a room on retainer in every woman owned in from here to Gretna Green. Right, but like you don't
0: care. This is an adventure <laughs> novel taking place in a ma- like made up country. Like it almost feels like Haggard esque.
1: Like, Ruritania? Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's, there's, an
0: el- there's an element of, like, I'm no longer thinking about England. I am thinking about this badass society in which this network of women vigilante spies can exist. Yeah. And I, I say this very sincerely. Like, I think Sarah McLean has really embraced that strength in her writing. And, mm-hmm. yes, I love Nine Rules to Break, which clearly operates outside of that paradigm, Right. But all of her others that have been my favorites have really just run away with this, like, action-adventure conceit.
1: hmm Yeah, absolutely. And I think this might be the
0: best execution of that she has done to
1: date. I, I would agree with that. I agree with that for sure. It's definitely, like, the most fun adventure book I think yes. I've read by her. Yes. I'm not
0: saying I liked others, but, like, she really nailed that in this book.
1: No, I totally agree with you. I felt like – I've said this about a couple of books in the past. I feel like this book started, and it didn't stop. Like, it was very action-heavy, very fun. Um, there wasn't, like, a lull in the action. Even when I – like I said, there's, like, two chapters of her comfort, of her, her like, tending to his wounds – it still felt like there was some kind of urgency, some kind of adventure going on. Yeah. And I think one of
0: the ways I can attest to the strength of that in this book, the timeline for this book is like five days mm-hmm. and it didn't feel implausible. Right. Like the, the relationship and the tension in the external factors, like all felt really organic and believable. Yeah. And you and I both have, like, commented before. We're like, okay, this was, like, two days. More time would have made this all more believable. No, I was totally on board with this in full.
1: Well, and part of it is, just as you said, like, he has been watching her for years. And she's been watching him for years. Like, they have been aware of each other for years. And, again, this is the second book in a series. We heard of Adelaide one book ago. I didn't feel like I was missing their relationship either.
0: Yeah, I think Sarah McLean did a great job providing that context without it feeling like exposition.
1: hmm I totally agree. Mm-hmm. I really
0: thought they'd been in each other's universe for a long time. So one of my other favorite things, and, and this is like somewhere between trope and quality. So the name of the thing is in the thing in this book, but it's not the name of the book. It's the name of the series, The Hell's Bells. hmm And this is one of the main things where I'm saying, like, this feels like the origin story. The Hell's Bells get christened as such in this book.
1: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, they've been together, and they've been, you know, doing all these little heisty kind of things that we've we've read about in other books, but this is a book where they're like, oh, yeah, Hell's Bells, that sounds like a great name, like... Avengers, well, that sounds awesome.
0: <laughs> it's also great, because talk about superhero origin story, like Batman, Dark Knight type stuff. Right. They're christened as such by, like, the media and Scotland Yard, who are trying to find them. Right. Right. Of course. Which is... And they're,
1: so they're allowing other people to maybe take credit for what they've done, to throw other people off of the trail. Like, oh yeah, the Bells totally did that thing. Yes. Um, so I don't think we're going to dive much into the specifics of the plot here because
0: I think we're both more interested in talking about the relationship.
1: Well, so just, I think I think the plot is where the most spoilers would come.
0: Yeah, so just uh, just sort of build off of the book jacket, the things that aren't really spoilers but the book jacket doesn't dive into. So as we mentioned, she's this daughter of a Mafia Don, essentially, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who was able to escape him and join the Hell's Bells. Mm -hmm. Um, And now, as the book said, she set herself up as sort of this reconnaissance master of the Hell's Bells using her thief skills to investigate. And as you may remember from the first book, the main purpose of the Hell's Bells is to assist women wronged in society who know they wouldn't be believed or otherwise assisted if they attempted to resolve their problems through official channels. Mm-hmm. So um, what brings Henry and Adeline together is that Henry's little brother, Jack, who we mentioned, his fiance reached out to Hell's Bells and said, I've got a problem with my dad. I need you to help me. Mm-hmm. So Hell's Bells are trying to help. Her name is Helene, are trying to help Helene with this major issue involving her father, who is an all around awful fucking person, TM. Um, In this case, instead of treasonous bastard, we'd be calling it a murdering bastard. Again, this is the first chapter, Mm -hmm. not a spoiler. Mm -mm. Um, Whereas Henry's interest at this point is everything for his brother. And so that's what kind of what brings them together and where they're sort of on the same team but can't quite talk about why. Mm -hmm. Because Henry can't talk about why his whole world is centered around his brother and Adelaide can't talk about the Hells Bells missions or her various identities as the matchbreaker and Adelaide Trumbull without exposing him to a lot of danger.
1: hmm Yeah.
0: that sounds so, interesting to you, great. That's the plot.
1: Yeah. Well, one of the things I liked about that, too, was even though they're hiding these big parts of their motivation, I guess is what you would say, they're being very honest with each other about everything else, which I really yeah. appreciated.
0: When they're being dishonest, they're say- they're saying, I'm not going to tell you that. Right. But even when it's not about these two things, like when it's just, I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. There's very little equivocation. It's just, I- I'm not going to be telling you that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I, I liked that part of their relationship a lot.
0: One, I also like that over the course of, like, five days, they do get really honest with each other mm-hmm. in ways that I really liked. Again, I think the thing I want to praise in this book is how much conversation and relationship building happened that could have felt just like a wall of
1: exposition and didn't. Right. hmm Because there is so much about their pasts that has to come out. Yes. Um, and I think you're right it did feel very organic the way they talked about it the way it came out the way they reacted to it it was all really good. Yes. Um So you mentioned that you thought there were contemporary references here. Yeah, I thought so I um, neither lay nor I read like mafia romance. Um, we don't read a ton of contemporary in general, although we do read some of it. Mostly rom-coms, I would say, uh, when we do read contemporary romance. I feel like there were a lot of contemporary romance tropes that we maybe, maybe not even tropes, but like references that we weren't necessarily catching on to. Like, especially the, the in the mafia daughter part, I feel like this could slot in really well with a specific kind of mafia romance mm-hmm. that we are not familiar with. So I just want to say I felt like... It, I don't think it detracted from the book, but I think that if you read mafia romance, you might enjoy this book at an even deeper level than we did. Yeah, I think the
0: only thing I'll leave in quality before we move on to sort of other things... I mentioned I love that Sarah McLean was leaning into the action adventure and sort of the departure from realism in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Just like, I think it's excellent, but heads up that if you really do like ballroom historical romance,
1: she's really moved away
0: from that. I think it's awesome. But if that's not your taste, that's not your taste.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's a ball in this book.
0: There's a couple of mentions of balls they've attended together in the past, but
1: that's Mm -hmm. it. That's it. They don't go to a ball together in this book. Okay, one thing that both of us, both Lane and I are so looking forward to is the next book. It's going to be about Imogen. Okay,
0: so there are four main Hell's Bells. There are like other ancillary Hell's Bells, but I would guess this is going to be a four book series.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Agreed. There is Cecily, who Mm -hmm. was last book. Um, Adelaide and Henry, obviously the one we're talking about. Imogen is their, like, munitions expert. And the Duchess. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: the last book in the series is pretty clearly going to be Marriage in Crisis.
1: I mean, it's going to be Duchess. uh, We're assuming Marriage in Crisis unless her husband doesn't exist. Yeah, there are a couple of passing references to him in this book
0: from the Duchess that made me think Marriage in Crisis even more strongly.
1: That's what I thought too, but, I mean, who knows though, right?
0: Fair. Okay, so the munitions expert Imogen, in the first book started, and then this book continues, sort of a repartee with the detective inspector at Scotland Yard. And here's the thing, I'm absolutely obsessed with the way they interact, and I cannot wait for this book, but I am like this much nervous, and I'm making the very smallest little pinchies with my fingers, that Imogen as a character will have to change really dramatically huh. to be a lead.
1: Yeah. And I am very
0: nervous about that.
1: I I understand where you're coming from, but I like I have been so excited about about this book in particular, Tommy and Imogen, since literally the first book in the series. So one book ago. I mean, yes, but like <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I was like so ready for it that when that it was Adelaide's book next I was like hey you know okay that's fine and again not to say that I didn't like this book because I really liked this book but the anticipation level for me for Tommy and Imogen is like extremely high of course that does mean that the 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 opportunity for disappointment is also high. She's just a really quirky character. Hmm.
0: And very direct in her speaking. And like at one point in this book, Henry, in like thanks for all of her assistance with the denouement, the showdown here, says, Oh, I'll buy you a gift. And she just says, I like chemicals.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And there's just so much about her. And like she shows up with for the detective inspector at the end of this book with a sandwich. <laughs> and there's just mm-hmm. so much that's sort of a little quirky and offbeat about her. And I often find that quirky and offbeat characters become less so once they're yeah. the heroine. Yeah. And I hope yeah. that doesn't happen to her. Like, I really Me hope Sarah t- McLean manages to retain that.
1: Me too. Me too. I'm very excited. But I'm images. very invested. I'm very invested. I'm so invested in them. Oh, my God. Um,
0: okay. So, offensiveness. Okay. I mean... Henry's a reformer opposing child labor, as we <laughs> mentioned, her upbringing was like mafia daughter. She spent time in prison. like I think there's a lot of societal, not good things, like Helene's father is obviously a piece of shit, but I don't think there's anything that's delved into like all of it is so surface level that I yeah I don't think that other, unless the concepts are triggering to
1: you, that anything in this book content wise would trigger you. I will say there is a, this is not really, this is not offensive at all. It's not even really a trigger warning. I just thought about it and I want to talk about it now. There's a highway woman, there's a highwayman, there's a gang of highwaymen that's a woman and her two lovers. Yes. And I was just like, I hope there's a novella about them. <laughs> I mean, honestly, would read. 10 out of 10. Um, 10 out of 10, would read.
0: Her name's Lucia. Um,
1: and I want to read about her. Yeah, she okay. was pretty great. Yeah, she was awesome. Um, What's this book, Sexy Line? Oh my god, and the fact that
0: we got this far in before mentioning that this is a sex book, I'm really proud of us. This book is fucking sexy. But here's the thing. There's only two sex scenes. One of them is 20% of the fucking book. (laughs) It is. She went real hard in terms of duration over quantity here. And I really valued it. It's like, it's like sister level. It was. mm, I think that that's an insult to Sarah (laughs) McLean, but I know what you're getting at. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, it was
0: a lot of A-plus dirty talk. Everything, everything happened on page. <laughs> yes.
1: There was no, like, there, there was no, like, we talked about this before, how a, a lot of times they're like, there will be the sex scene, and then they'll be like, let's do that again, and then it, like, fades to black then. Yeah. That doesn't happen here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it is. And I loved, like, okay, I love it when especially in an intimacy scene whether emotional or physical you get the sense that the guy knows the woman better than she knows herself and that Mm -hmm. is such a thing here
1: Mm -hmm. like she
0: so often kind of gets rambly and he makes her explain herself and then it's basically like no I got you no ma'am
1: I got you Mm mm-hmm
0: And it was... I, at one point, literally was like, this has been going on for a long time. And getting back to the beginning of the sex scene took me back double digits (laughs) percentage-wise. And it was like, I enjoyed this a lot.
1: Yeah. I mean, in other words, this is a very sexy book. Yes. It's real sexy.
0: Yeah. Um... I really yeah I I have no complaints about any of that and I don't even need to say I want sex after the conflict was was resolved because honestly the really epic sex scene was after they would started talking to
1: each other about like like, the relationship conflict yeah
0: right like yes the last sex scene is before the final showdown and they don't technically confirm they're ending up together spoiler alert until after the final showdown, but I did feel like the cards were all on the table
1: mm-hmm. for that final sex,
0: and I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm.
1: They were. all The, the only
0: sex that wasn't on the page was the goodbye sex. That's, that's fine. And I'm actually really – so there's goodbye sex that's one-sided. He doesn't know it's goodbye, and she does. And that is the only sex that wasn't on the page, and I was actually really grateful. I'm like, Sarah McLean, like – you took out the angsty sex that would have done nothing for characterization, and yep. just doubled the sex scene that had
1: characterization. Hell yep. yeah! Exactly, exactly. That was a stroke of genius. <laughs> Honestly, Sorry,
0: hold on. here's the thing: <laughs> could there have been more about like the matchbreaker and what the matchbreaker had done, and Adelaide's life in the years between her fleeing the docks and where she is today? Sure. I liked these characters enough. I would have been interested in more about them. Am (laughs) I grateful that this book was executed exactly as it was? Yes. Yep. Yep. The pacing
1: was just perfect. So, so basically, we highly recommend this book.
0: Yeah. um, If you want a, like, potato chip book, like a you-can't-put-it-down book that is just really well
1: executed, you're in for a treat. You are, you're so correct. Like, I, I definitely just, like, flew through this book in the best way. Yeah. Right? Like, you want to know what's going to happen. And the the narrative tension is there the whole time.
0: And right. when if you wanted to start at, stop at, like, the halfway point to read it in two chunks, well, then you're stopping in the middle of the world's most epic sex scene, and I don't recommend that.
1: Mm-mm, you can't. I mean, that's part of the issue, too. It's like, it's just like, where do you stop when you read the book? You know, I mean, <laughs> like there's no uh, way to stop. It if you don't. <laughs> you don't. You just read it. Just read the whole dang thing. That's it. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. We would love it if you would rate, review, subscribe, and check us out around the internet wherever you find Fortress.